Well, here we are back again, and we'll talk to Paul Morell. And uh, I've just been to the launch of the MG3, a light car, which means that it's the second smallest in category, not in the real little compact sort of size, but uh, certainly smaller than, say, a Corolla. It's uh, just launched onto the market. Now, Paul, can MG come back? What did MG mean to you in your growing up? Well, it meant cars I couldn't afford, basically. Oh. Well, I was there with that out of my price range. That's uh, damned by faint praise, is it? That to me. Yeah, and there, also, there are also people, David, who suggest I'm yet to grow up, so I'll take you to task over that as well. It's an interesting one, isn't it? To try and revive that brand name. Again, it's a generational thing. I'm not too sure that uh, many current buyers have fond or indeed any memories of MG as it was originally. Mm. It's a bit of a case, I guess, of... It's a bit of a case of bolting a, a name onto a car which really doesn't have any of the heritage or any of the history or any of the any of the appeal of the original. I mean, sorry, sorry, MG, but I'm, hmm. there's not much MG-ness about it. Let's put it that way. By the way, it's the Chinese SIAC uh, car company that now owns the brand name and building them from the Asian region. They do go out into country areas and they claim that in the sort of country-type rural areas, that they do have some reasonable response. All their effort isn't just in the cities. And in a way, that's almost a bit like Peugeot, isn't it? Many people still talk of Peugeot ringing, winning the Round Australia Red X trial, which they did in 1953 before most of us were born. So, you know, there, is there some sort of mystic carry-on that might help it in this regard? I'd like to hope so, but I'm not too sure there is. I mean, when you talk about Peugeot, for example, yes, Peugeot did win the, the Red X and it was a 203. But interestingly enough, you talk to Peugeot these days and they say we have, obviously there's a lot of affection for the brand name, but we are a completely different company, completely different cars, mm. and the people who, who love the old 203s and 404s would never buy a, a modern Peugeot anyway. Mm. Um, I would tend to suggest the same thing might apply to MG, that the people who still have a, a residual affection for MG, would, wouldn't want to be seen dead in the Chinese MG. I know it's difficult and I, I, I hesitate to say these things about them, but I just don't understand by slapping on that octagon badge how they believe it's going to give them too much more credibility. I mean, you're right. I notice I'm just looking at their dealer list here. They've got dealers all over the place. I mean, Tugra and Kedron in Queensland and Wodonga and, I mean, all sorts of places. I Wild don't see too many... Yeah, I mean, they're, they're obviously pushing out into the, the country areas, and good good luck to them too. It's going to be difficult, and uh, you were at the launch. I'm just wondering. I mean, have they have they addressed their sort of fit and finish, you know, trim quality and all that sort of thing yet, or are they still unfortunately lagging behind the? the standards we all expect. I think they're getting ahead, although they've done what the Japanese did because SEAC has a number of things. It produces the UTE, the LTV, wasn't it? And the L stands for Leyland, that they bought that mm -hmm. company out. And uh, LDV, isn't it? LDV. Yeah, yeah. And now they've, they've bought the sort of British name. I asked them if they were going to build a car and call it the Cedric. <laughs> that sort of Japanese thing of going back to that sort of plum Britishness that they yeah, wanted yeah. To, to, to achieve. I think they have got the quality looks better. There's no question of that. It's still an interesting 
modestly uh, performing, you know, car with 82 kilowatts and a four-speed automatic gearbox, seven-year warranty. Ah. Learning from Kia what that might yep. be their advantage to. But, of course, in our day, they were sports cars mainly. They were. They were, and there's no, there's no, no sporting pretension in their current range. No, but they want to achieve that eventually. But if you watch some of those classic British period pieces, uh, what's the one, Father Brown or that, the policemen <laughs> often drive an MG saloon. Yes, of course. Yeah, the uh, magnet, as it was. Yes, yes, the magnet. And, uh, a more rounded, uh, I thought, not bad-looking car for the times. It was a lovely car, and that was that was very closely related to the Wolseley 444, um, designed by Jonathan Palmer, and it was a, it was a really conservative but very nice design. You could buy it as a Wolseley, you could buy it as a, a, an MG, and a, I think there were a couple of others in that in that family as well. Early early days of badge engineering. Hmm. Even then, it didn't work particularly well because the MG enthusiast, even in the fifties sneered at anything that had a roof or wind-up windows. <laughs> and I think the sedans didn't leak through the roof, so, I mean, it's... <laughs> it couldn't be a real MG. Because <laughs> the MGB, uh, and they eventually put a V8 in the front of them. Uh, I drove one of the MG V8s. It was going along the motorway. I slowed down to 90 kilometres an hour so I could listen to the radio. <laughs> Anything above that speed and the noise levels were enormous. All right, yeah. Paul, that is lovely stuff. May the force be with them, but uh, I think alluding to its past history may be a bit of a tall order. Paul, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, David. And that's Paul Morell, and we were talking about the MG, and earlier we had been talking about the Hillman Imp. Ah, the memories of our youth.